0: The bagpipe is one of the oldest instruments. To play it, you blow into a pipe attached to a leather or synthetic bag, then press on the bag to force the air out through other pipes to create sound. The Big Rap Show Podcast is very kindly sponsored by G1. G1 Reads and Chanters were played in 8 out of the 9 winning World Championship performances in 2017, including the newly crowned Grade 1 World Champions in Vararian Districts, and also for some bands, including the Red Hot Chili Pipers. So many thanks to the guys at G1 for keeping the lights on here at the Big Rab Show Podcast. Hello there, welcome along to another Big Rab Show Podcast. Hi are you? Hope you're all keeping the very best wherever you may be tuning in and have to say, very happy new year! Yay! It's 2018. Oh man, all sorts of excited for this incoming year. It's going to be, oh, so incredible. If anything, yeah, I think last week's podcast didn't we talk all about what was coming in and why I'm all excited. Oh, craziness, craziness. 2018 is going to be an insane season. Yeah, I'm wishing you all the very best in health and happiness for this incoming season. Plus the best of luck for everyone who's going to be competing. 2018 is going to be epic. Now, as far as ourselves here in the podcast, we're going to keep ourselves incredibly busy too. Because, yes, we have much more coming your way in the podcast. And, yes, as you've noticed by the title of this week's podcast, this is Bass Drumming Part 2. Yes, this is an incredible interview that I've managed to get with a pretty amazing bass drummer. Now, yeah, <laughs> I didn't bring this to you initially because the interview's quite long... But all of it is good. I tried to edit it down. But I think everything that we talked about and discussed was just awesome. And we couldn't really cut it. So I decided to bring this to you. This interview in it's entirety. As yeah, as part 2. So do not fear. They may well be a bass drumming part 3. Part 4, 5, 6. We're not done on the topic of bass drumming. Do not fear. <laughs> as soon as you see part 2 you go. Oh no he's finished with it. But no I won't be. So yes we will fly on. Now. We'll get to that. We'll get to the whole bass drumming thing. But first of all, let's take care of some of the domestic, shall we? First of all, let's give a shout-out to our amazing patrons. They are awesome! Yes, we have to give a shout-out, of course, to LoneStarPiper.com, to Brandon Moreno, and, of course, to Twisted Thistle. You guys are awesome. Thank you for clicking that support button and helping us do what we do. You guys are just awesome. Yeah, you really are. (laughs) And if you out there want to help support what we do... Really, yeah, clicking on our Patreon page and hitting that, not subscribe, but that support button really does help. Especially rolling into 2018 when we have so much stuff coming your way. (sighs) Yeah, it's going to take a lot of time, effort, work and finance to be able to bring all of this to you. So we do hope to be able to bring it to you. And through the help already of our amazing patrons, 2018 is looking to be, like it's going to be pretty awesome. So... But then again, I'm not saying that this is a subscription service. You don't have to pay us money to get amazing content. We will continue producing our amazing podcast, as we always do. Yeah, but just saying, yeah, if you help support us on Patreon, it really does help us out. There you go. Right. Fly on. Normally kick off each show with some listener mail. And unfortunately, I think given the whole Christmas and holiday period, uh, listener mail's been kind of quiet. This last while. Let me just double check here. Professional radio as always. Do do I have my phone open now. I've got a few emails in here asking about. Uh, Winter Storm actually. So. Hmm, Winter Storm actually will be a podcast that we will be bringing to you. Next week. Oh boy. Winter Storm just around the corner of course. Yeah. I guess 12th, 13th, 14th of January it's just going to be an awesome event. We will break Winter Storm down into its component parts and, yeah, give you a full preview of what to expect in Kansas City. So, yeah, Winter Storm, going to be an awesome event. So, yeah, I've got two or three emails actually here asking about Winter Storm and what to expect. Uh, Yeah, don't worry. We will get talking all about Winter Storm in next week's podcast. We'll bring that to you. Now, I've got an email here from, uh, let me see, uh, Kyle Dawson. Kyle Dawson has emailed in saying uh, he's the president of the NYC Tartan Week. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay, now I have heard about this, the NYC New York City Tartan Day Parade. I've heard about it. And, uh, yeah, I think I was just kind of asking in general... You know, I think it was even this time last year, I was asking for information about it. Well, here we go. The president has gotten in contact with me. He says, Hey, Rob, the NYC Tartan Day Parade has been going strong for 20 years. This April 6th is our 20th anniversary. Wow! So, there you go, 20 years. We have clans and pipe bands and groups marching, all celebrating their Scottish heritage here in NYC. We have a four hour after party at BB King's with Scottish bands that will be playing some awesome music. Bellhaven and Glenlivet are sponsors of the after party, so that means all you can drink. <laughs> awesome! For four hours. Oh, that sounds incredible! So he says, Our parade has 27,000 spectators and 4,000 marchers. Whoa, that's huge! Yeah. So, there you go. He says the website is nyctartanweek.org. And you can check them out on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Wow. I'm going to be really interested to see what bands and what acts are going to be performing at this NYC Tartan Day Parade. 6th of April. Woo! Going for 20 years and it's only really this last few years, 4 or 5 years, that I've kind of got to know about it. Um, I think it's because of the that pesky thing called the Atlantic Ocean in the way... But, yeah, I have been kind of piqued my interest. There has been quite a few uh, really good bands playing at it, you know, this last while. So, yeah, looking forward to April now to see what NYC Tartan Week brings. And also, if you're going to be in the parade, or if you know that your band's booked to play at it, get in contact with us, let us know if you're going to NYC Tartan Week. The parade, the whole thing, that just sounds awesome. Yeah, I'd really love to go to that, actually. It sounds incredible. But, anyway, a lot of stuff happening across the water there in sunny America. And Kansas City being freezing cold and everything. But, yeah, there's not much happening here in the UK. Bands are currently busy, burrowed away in their band halls And just, yeah, continuing to work on new material. Now, we do have some news. Granted, recently, Ravara Pipe Band have just announced the appointment of a new lead drummer. Yeah, this hit the news uh, just, I think, just before Christmas. I think it was actually Christmas Eve. I think they published the news. Matthew Shaw has been announced as their new lead drummer. So congratulations to Matthew. And yeah, Matthews takes over the core as Rivara head out in Grade 2 to try and rebuild and yeah, hit the ground running and throw themselves back up into Grade 1 again. So congratulations to Matthew. Matthew's been with uh, Rivara Pipe Band for quite a while. He's also helping out with Major Sinclair Memorial Pipe Band as well. And he's been a good friend of the show. If anything, Matthew's been on the show a couple of times now. So now that he has this new appointment with Ravara, I'm going to have to, uh, yeah, grab him and interview him. So, Matthew, if you're listening to the podcast, friend, I know you do. So, get in contact with us. We want an interview, mate. <laughs> we want to know what's going on behind closed doors at Rivara. Because, yeah, we're all rooting for you. Now, that, plus there's been a plethora of other kind of news and reviews, but it has overall, over this past couple of weeks, been kind of subdued and kind of quiet. Now, one little game that us on the Rab Show like to play over New Year's. Now, I don't know if other families in the UK play this game. Now, I know I'm only really talking to my UK listeners right now, so forgive me all you international guys. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, does anyone else play this game? On New Year's Eve or Old Year's Night or Hogmanay, you're flicking through the channels as quick as you can to see if you can catch the maximum amount of piping Now, I don't know if that only happens in my house or in other people's houses, but a lot of Pipeman fans that I know who don't go out or don't head out clubbing or all that sort of stuff on New Year's, you know, maybe they're sitting in the house, they have a few beers and they have the TV on. It's kind of like what I've been doing this past five years or so. Uh, Yeah, you sit at home and you're flicking through the channels furiously to try and find the best and the most amount of piping action that you can on New Year's Eve. Because as you know, New Year's Eve is an incredibly busy night for all of us pipers and drummers. And the TV is no different. The television has been filled with all sorts of amazing piping action this New Year's Eve here in the UK. It was awesome. One such thing that was kind of a big highlight for all of us piping fans here in the UK. We were traded to the Glasgow Police. Performing on the BBC. And I was just... The best! I think it was STV, I think it was called. And yeah, they performed at New Year's Eve. And it was awesome. They were really, really good. We've shared the video out, of course, on our Facebook page. As soon as we spotted it, you know, Oh, Glasgow Police are there! Ding! Get it shared out on the Facebook page as quick as we could. Because the performance was awesome. Plus we had Man Ran as well. Which is an awesome Celtic band. Celtic folk band, I say, from Scotland. Who were performing on BBC Alba. Not forgetting, of course, on Jules Holland and BBC Two, Northern Ireland, we had the Royal Scott Dragoon Guards. They were on there piping in the New Year. It was just a plethora of piping over New Year's. It was awesome, you know, for us piping fans to be able to tune in and watch. Plus, we had the Belfast tattoo. was played on New Year's Eve as well. Brilliant, you know, just incredible. So, yeah, a lot of stuff. But I'd be interested to hear from our UK listeners, do you play that game at New Year's Eve if you're sitting at home, and it's New Year's Eve, and they say it's about 11 o'clock or so, it's about an hour to the bells and the fireworks, then you start furiously flicking through all the channels to see if you can catch a pipe out. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Anyway, Happy New Year! <laughs> Hope you have all had yeah a brilliant New Year's Eve. And, right, the season is just around the corner. Can you believe it, though? Now, as I'm looking forward to 2018, as I've said on last week's podcast, we've got so many concerts and stuff in front of us. And one such concert is Johnstone. Johnstone and Tistrict, of course, have put the big article up there on Pipestrums.com about how they're turning 75 years old. They've just announced also that they have bought a full new set of chanters from McCallum. That will change the whole band, the whole dynamic of the band. The sound will completely change. Whether it'll be for the better or for the worse, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But <laughs> it will change the dynamic of the band. Plus, they're, they've announced who's going to be you know, on stage with them. And one name that jumped out to me personally was Jarleth Henderson. Jarleth Henderson's going to be with them in the first half of the show. Jarleth is just an incredible piper. It's so... For full details, please go to CelticConnections.org or .com, sorry, and you can get your uh, tickets there for the Johnstone concert coming up in a matter of weeks. That concert's going to be one that you're not going to want to miss because the Celtic Connections Festival itself is just a plethora of amazing music. But with this concert each year, the pipe band being featured is always amazing. So, cannot wait! Cannot wait! No. There we go. Now as well as Johnstone being in action of course we have the Blairian District concert coming up as well. We have the Kids for Cancer concert coming up in Cookstown. We have yeah, the Red Hot Chilis are coming to Belfast so I'll hope to catch up with them. Plus we have the Inverarian District concert in May. (sighs) Don't even get me started about how excited I am for that. That's just, oh man. Just not fair. Wish I had a DeLorean time machine right now. I could jump forward and go and watch the thing. Tell you how good it is. Anyway. Right, <laughs> I'm blathering now. Time to start talking about the topic of the week. Do realise this week, guys, that this week's podcast would be possibly a little shorter than normal. Please forgive me, I... it is one of those things. Tis the season. News is not as commonplace as it should be, I suppose, around this time of year. But bands are buried away in their band halls, furiously working on new materials. So news is of a premium. Plus... Myself, I'm also incredibly busy, because preparing for the incoming season for the Rab Show also does take a bit of a body of work, believe it or not. Yeah, people don't believe me whenever you tell them. And yeah, we actually put out a, bit, a good bit of work over through the Wonder Months, preparing to cover what you guys are doing. So, mm, yeah, bear with us. <laughs> the podcasts may be a little shorter, but we will do what we can. Anyway, thank you guys. Time For me to go and grab myself a big cup of tea, it's time for the topic of the week. LoneStarPiper.com, the little pipe and drum supply in the heart of Texas. Proud to be firefighter owned and operated. With 10 years in the industry, they are dedicated to providing friendly, professional, personalized service. Featuring many of the most popular brands for bagpipers and drummers, as well as custom kilts and highland wear. Feel free to shoot them an email with questions about custom orders or to get a quote for special pricing on larger orders at sales at LoneStarPiper.com. LoneStarPiper.com. Check them out. TwistedThistle.com. Owned and operated by world champion and gold medal winner bass drummer Mike Cole. Twisted Thistle bass drum mallets are one of the top performing bass stick brands in the world, used by our current world champions, in Verarian District Pipe Band. So check out twistedthistle.com, where you can find information on available models to buy, tuning videos, Skype drumming lessons, pipe band drum scores, pipe band drumming workshops, drum tech support, just so much stuff. Check them out, twistedthistle.com.
1: Band Hub, promoting the pipe band scene since 2011. For all your news, results and performances, follow them on Facebook, Twitter,
0: and with over 250 performances on their AudioMax site to choose from, make the Pipe Band Hub your first choice online when you pick up your phone. So, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Mark Stark of Inverary Pipe Band. How are you? Not bad, not bad,
1: thanks, Ab. Thank you.
0: So, uh, yes, you're joining us on a podcast, special podcast that we're putting together about bass drumming. So, you being now a current world champion, you're just the man to talk to. So <laughs> first of all, congratulations on your win, man.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.
0: And uh, I think, by all accounts, the party was kind of the stuff of legend now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if I remember all of it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it went on a few days, yeah.
0: <laughs> So how did you think your season went with Inverary first of all? Um,
1: the season was fantastic with Inverary, it was um, got off to a really good start and just went through the season even when we didn't win, win one of them we were still what, second I think so really happy all the way through but mm. again we've had, we've had good seasons before and not won the Worlds, won the Champions of Champions the year before yeah. so uh, you kind of when it comes to the world these things all go out the window it doesn't really matter the form you've been in it's just what happens in the day you know
0: yeah no that's it exactly so finally getting your hands on the spiky it's bound to have been something special
1: yeah well that was it I was, I was talking to friends about it the other day who aren't into pipe bands and stuff and was saying yeah it's 10 11 years I've been with, with Inverady and that's only if I'm only 21 you know doing that since I was 10 years old so it's yeah. been a huge part of my life dedicated to getting to that to that point and to finally do it um, was really something quite special it was something sure. so yeah.
0: let's talk bass drumming Mark um first of all how did you get started in bass drumming did you have any like, like official tutoring was there any kind of courses or anything you went on
1: so it started off I would have been in primary school um I must have been yeah I must have been eight or so and uh, I originally I originally played the clarinet and uh, one of the assistant teachers um, one of our assistant teachers in the school her son was actually the bass drummer um, in the original Embraerian District White Band at the time and she said to me she was looking for people to come along and give it a try just in case there was any times that Alan couldn't make it along or something just good to have a backup you know and she said to me you know um, you've got You've got a wee bit of musical background, so I come along and give it a go. And for me, that was I was just, never thought about it before. But I'd been, I'd been along to a competition with the band just as a spectator, and and I loved the atmosphere. And when that chance kind of presented itself, you, I was just like, "Yeah, I'll come along, give it a go." So I think my mum was a wee bit taken aback at the time, you know, <laughs> in the house. God, it's got to get a bit noisy. But um, I, I went along there, and then Alan. Alan taught me for the, the first two or three years, I think it was, um, of being with the band, um, and that was really good as well, because when, Embureri, when the original Inverary band went from juvenile to grade two, they started a novice juvenile band as well for a while, and that was where I that's where I got my competition experience, playing with the novice juvenile band, um, and continuing to get lessons from Alan, so that, that was how it all started,
0: yeah there you go that's interesting so you didn't you received a lot of like tuition from different people and that yeah um, well, how how have you found your experience with going through getting proper lessons because a lot of people we speak to they kind of get thrown into the job you know yeah that is that is a big thing
1: um, I see especially doing lessons of my own now you get people coming to you and it's either they've been told to come to you or don't get me wrong sometimes people seek you out but that is a common thing like you're playing the bass drum now and you're going to be doing these lessons for me because it was my first instrument um it was something that I was really keen to go into you know um I think my first the the first person I got lessons from other than Alan would have been Simone Reid and who previously she played with SFU at the time actually um and she was just she was over there to teach the tenor drummers but also she kind of showed me a few things that Catherine Catherine was doing mm-hmm. uh, Catherine Twos sorry I've said a few at the time and I think that was something that really from there I started getting more creative with what I was doing um, fortunate enough to get lessons with uh, with Catherine Twos herself as well a year or so later um, and that was that was huge I think that was just the year before I went to grade one Mm. And, and that was just for me when I when I look at the styles that I want to replicate I look at a few people and Catherine was one of the biggest for me especially when I was younger um, and the, the way when you watch when you watch her she was so exciting to watch um, and that was something that I tried to develop into my playing um, yeah. I've also got, there was lessons about can't can't understate it at all. Um, Mike Cole came in my first year in grade one. It was Mike that played the majors. I played the minors, and he'd been giving me a few. He'd been me quite a few Skype lessons. The year the year leading up to that, mm-hmm. um, he's no doubt the the biggest influence in my playing. But not in a way I would have thought of if it wasn't for him. Which maybe makes him the most important because I was, as I say, I was looking at Catherine, and I was looking at her technique, the way she was moving her arms and. I was yeah. thinking that's so cool, but then Mike came in and Mike gave me lessons and really opened me up to to the drumming aspect of it. And I think that's something that's always so neglected in bass drumming because yeah. people say, "Oh, it's just bass drumming; you are just keeping the beat." It, totally. If, if that's the way some people want to do it, then they can. But they're totally missing a trick because you can add so much more when you get deep into the drumming element of it. And the yeah. lessons with Mike kind of completely transformed my playing drumming-wise. So then from there it was always trying to get a mix of the two, you know. Yeah. Um, some focusing on the drumming, focusing on the technique and uh but not only them, you know, you just try to take a wee bit from everybody you get a lesson from. So for me it was because, because I because I wasn't forced into bass drumming, it was something that I wanted to do, I was so keen just to absorb everything that was going on around me in these lessons and taking the most I could from Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned then about uh, delving more into the drumming side. Have you ever learned snare drum or anything like that?
1: Um, yeah, I, I did. Um, when I was when I was younger, someone said to me in the band, it was a, It wasn't even someone in the band. I think it was a supporter of the band, and he said to me, "Yeah, it's probably good that you learn snare drumming because you'll you'll learn how everything what you're playing fits in." Yeah. Uh, and that so that was that was a big thing for me. I started taking lessons around about this, like maybe six, seven months after I started bass drumming. Started taking snare drumming lessons, but for me, it was to improve my bass drumming. It wasn't taking snare drumming lessons to become a snare drummer. Yeah. It was Taking snare drumming lessons to improve my bass drumming. Um, so that was that, and that now when I look back on it, especially sort of playing playing with the band now, and if there's something Stephen changes then I know why it's changed I know what I need to do to change it to fit in Stephen writes all the scores and stuff obviously but there's that kind of common understanding with some things alright that's changed the snare drumming I'll change that to this and yeah. um, just you just understand more of what's going around in the band which is so so important um, i also done I, well I still do I play a lot of kit um, I do a lot of kit drumming mm. which I think was so good for my hands um, it's Underestimated how how good your hands need to be, I think, if you're playing bass drum, if you want to be, if you want to kind of get to the top. You look at some people like Mike Cole, look at Johnny Rowe, um, Craig Hoss, this sort of. Drumming-wise, they're sort of three that always really stand out to me, is sort of amazing drummers on the bass drum. You, Mm -hmm. You listen to some of the roughs they play, I think. Horse with the Spirit of Scotland when he went into, they went into the Reels, I think it was, and he had that really cool bass break. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Johnny consistently, year after year, was pulling off amazing roughs with 78s, and when you listen out, it's just those things you listen to and you're off. Oh, that was cool <laughs> um, So, yeah, that was, and they, those guys all play Kit as well, so that was again something that I loved. I love playing Kit for different reasons, but it also helped my my bass drumming as well and I was and I was aware of that when I was doing it I, I could feel my hands getting a wee bit faster I could feel myself getting more control over the drum
0: yeah.
1: um, and it, it just, just learning any sort of other drumming as well as bass drumming really kind of puts you a step ahead I think
0: it does well so can I just ask you what your opinion is now of bass drumming where it is now because you just mentioned there about bass drumming being the metronome and when you yeah. listen to kind of the you know not the older style, but back in the eighties and nineties, it was very much keeping pace. Now, bass drum is taken on a life of its own. Where do you think bass drumming is now? Yeah,
1: um, I think yeah, drum. So there was a there was a period where I remember sitting a few years ago, and I think I was, I was talking to Tyler Fry or someone, and you were looking around and the, it was different, but there was nothing really standing out. Um, I think this must have been five, six years ago now. Mm. There was obviously good drummers all around you, but nothing was really sort of standing out. I think this year, the last two years, actually, I think you've just seen a kind of wee bit of an explosion. So it's like there's been a, a peaking interest in it. Yeah. You know, Drum cores are taking it more seriously. Bass drummers are doing a lot more. They're playing. They are playing a lot more. I think that's the key thing there. They're playing a lot more. Um and there's a lot. Of, you look round the competition field now, and you see so many bass drummers that are they're playing. And it's interesting to watch them. Interesting to listen to them. Um, yeah. You know, you could look at uh, you could look at Ali Anderson playing for the SFU, uh, Fergus Bryce with um, Fergus Bryce with Strathclyde. You yeah. know, sort of really, really interesting guys. And that's that's just too off the top of my head. There's obviously so much more as well. Um, even in the lower grades now you look and you, you see bass drummers are obviously they're trying more they want to be there they they're looking to see what they can contribute to the band yeah it's a it's an all because back when back like when Catherine was playing with sfu and stuff and you obviously had horse that he done the season with spirit of scotland yeah like Johnny, these guys have always been there um, and it, it was it was really good for a bit when I was starting off. It was a good it was a really good age for me to start off. Drumming was going really well. I think it took... when Catherine left FU, SFU and stuff, it took a wee bit of a backseat for me anyway. When I was looking round, and now in the last sort of three, four, or two, three years, it's really kind of taken off again. Um, you're seeing. I don't. I think part and parcel of it is it's not bass drumming. That's that's more. Prominent within drum cores, I think it's mid sections are more prominent within drum cores now. Yeah. You see a lot of a lot of cool integration now with the bass and tenors, and what the snare drummers are doing. And I think it's just part of parcel if you're improving what your mid section doing, you're, sorry, your mid sections doing, you're going to improve sort of what's coming from the bass drummer as well. Yeah, yeah. really interesting time, yeah.
0: Definitely. So, well, you mentioned mid section. That's been a bit of a debate as well. Is it bass section? or midsection? Where, uh, are, where are you on this?
1: Much of a Much of a...
0: <laughs>
1: section, midsection, whatever you want to call it. I, yeah. I call it else every time, you know. <laughs> same thing for me. That's, uh, this is, that's they, of, do, they, do, they do the same job. They?
0: That's <laughs> you know? it, exactly, yeah. yeah. So tell me then, um, you mentioned then about developing your own sound and listening to all of these great guys. Is it something that you consciously do to try and develop your own style or are you kind of trying to emulate these other people or how is that developing
1: so what i say when uh, when i'm taking when i'm doing my teaching as i say to someone right you're going to get lessons from me but i'm just going to show you my perspective on it i don't expect everybody who comes to get lessons from me to go off and replicate it the exact way i do if they do fair play to them like yeah. if that's what I want to do no worries but it's not what i ever done and it's not what I'd expect anybody else or it's, it's, it's not what I'd want anybody else ever to do you know I think the biggest thing for me was going out and looking at a few different people I've mentioned them already Mike Cole Catherine was a big one Hoss yeah. Johnny Rowe these guys and uh, looking at what they were doing and thinking right okay I want to take a wee bit of that I want to I want to play roughs the way Mike and Johnny do them I want to move my arms the way Catherine does it, and I want to play with the enthusiasm the hosters. So there was—it's always just trying to take your favourite thing from everybody and and make it into your own style. Yeah. Um, and I think that yeah, that's that's been my throughout my career been the biggest thing for me, just making a style of my own and kind of track it a wee bit of a trademark on it, you know.
0: That's it. Yeah. So tell me. You, as a bass drummer, have possibly one of the best places in the world to stand, right in the centre of all of that sound. It's bound to be something special to stand in the middle of that.
1: Yeah, of course. As I, you, you, you hear any any bass drummer playing at that level, talk about how good it is. It's sometimes sort of when the pipes kick in, you hear, how well it's sounding. You just get that I mean, the goosebumps down the back of you, you know. And, <laughs> Playing, playing with a drum corps, like I was, uh, obviously Stephen, unreal. Um, yeah. Sometimes you just you just have to stand back and kind of take it all in. Playing with it week in week out, um, it's, it's easy to take it for granted, and then it's just when you when you really think about what you've been doing and what you're playing in and the quality you're playing at, it's it's unreal. It's, yeah. After we came off and. After we came off and uh, marched off with the spike at the Worlds and we were sitting and we played played a medley, and I was just looking around, you sort of look at just everybody that's in the band, sort of top class player, world class player, sorry. It's an amazing, amazing feeling, Um, something that you don't get tired of.
0: Oh, I'm sure, yeah. So, um, what I wanted to ask you was as much as being in the centre of things and everything, how do you find working in concert setting? Uh, you know, you kind of set to one side. How do you find that? Um, I think <coughs> the, the biggest thing for me playing concert
1: setting um, is it imposes on um, more often than not, it'll impose on your style of play. So mm-hmm. drumming-wise, it's got no real it doesn't doesn't change too much drumming wise, but technique wise and showmanship wise, you can quite often find yourself. Um, what's the word, you, You're kind of you're restricted um, in concert setting to what you can really do, and when when the showmanship and when the technique and the arms when when that's all such a big thing of how I play and, and how why I enjoy playing mm. is restricted. It, kind of it just takes enjoyment out of it a wee bit you know yeah. It's I, I'd much prefer i much prefer uh, sort of having the space to do what you want to do at the same time though you're playing concerts you're not just playing an MSR and a medley you know it's yeah. uh, you're getting to play stuff that's probably maybe not more enjoyable but it's different you know it's uh, something something fresh yeah. um, and you know it's not, that isn't a problem the restriction isn't a problem every time I think the, the Ascension concert was good, you have enough space. Normally if you if you if you just speak to someone when you're when you're setting up then they're pretty accommodating with you. You know, you're there to put on a show, you want to play it to the best of your ability. Yeah.
0: Everything
1: everything's quite accommodating. I think the other thing that comes into it is being mic'd up. Um yes. especially when it comes to sort of just the tuning of your drum you need to make sure you're so even on both sides because that's something that really comes out in a concert setting especially when you're mic'd up you know you, yeah. you, you can't get away with one side being, being significantly flatter than the other you maybe can in a field where you're not hearing it as much or no one's really listening for it yeah. but when, when you're in a concert venue and the bass is obviously going to take up a lot of the volume in the, in the venue the mm. it's something you need to be really aware of and on the ball with Um yeah, it's it's always a different one. Concerts. It's it's one that I do enjoy, though. But there are little things that you just need. you just need to be prepared. Sorry, prepared for them going yeah. into it. You need
0: so to go to do. Yeah, you, you talked about tuning there, and you kind of you're always jumping into my next question, man. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about tuning then. About your setup. Do you look after your own tuning, or does someone do that for you? Um, it's at
1: the start. Uh, I'd I'd done a lot of it at the start Um, my first couple of years with grade one just off the back of getting lessons with Mike Cole obviously he's kind of he's a drum wizard you know you give it to him and they're all supposed to come out clinking (laughs) Um, so in recent times taking a wee bit of a back seat uh, Jordan takes on Jordan and Louisa Gatis take on a lot of the tune responsibilities, and that sits fine with me it gives me more time just to you know do what I want to do I just need the drum don't have to worry about the sound and stuff but obviously you know (laughs) <laughs> there's that kind of this understanding in the in the bass section mid section whatever you want to call it that you, you can say right well that drum's not sounding okay Whether it's a tenor drum your own drum when you've got so many people that are capable of tuning then the job becomes a lot easier because you've got a lot of people knowing what to look out for yeah. on top of it guys in the guys in the drum co- in the snare line rather who, who who'll not tell you not afraid to tell you if something's not right you know so <laughs> it's yeah uh, everybody's very much on top of it in the band anyway but um, it's something that I think it's one of the aspects that if you're a a bass drummer you you really need to it's something that you should know how to do you know Mm. Uh, you need to be responsible for your own instrument Um, you might not be capable of setting up a bass section on the day of a competition but you need to be capable of tuning your own drum you know you wouldn't You'd find it hard to meet a piper that didn't know how to tune his own pipes, you know. Like, yeah, and I think in general, just as good
0: musicianship is—it's
1: it's a good thing to know. It's—it's it's, it's something you should know.
0: Oh, you no, know? certainly. So when we're talking about tuning, then we're talking about equipment as well. So a lot of drummers, uh, snare drummers like we have sticks and harnesses and heads. And, is it the similar kind of thing for bass drum? what sort of stuff do you yeah, use?
1: Just in regards to tuning, or just in general?
0: Just in general, do you have your own setup?
1: alright well yeah so if we just start off and we left off there with the tuning mm. we use the soul base and tenor tuners um, bit of a bit of a null point because I don't think they're made anymore but um, yeah. you look around and some people have them um, they're really good mm. they, they're on the they just they just do the job they're reliable you know what you're getting with them really good um, yeah. with regards to our setup, I think the the single most important thing for any bass drum is definitely your mallets. You know, well, aside from the drum, obviously, <laughs> the <but laughs> your mallets. Um, <clears throat> I play with my close twisted thistle mallets. The medalists that he's got out for me. When I'm looking at mallets, I need something that's going to that's going to give me the pronunciation that I want. Some some people go with the bigger mallets. You look at um, Stilo's mallets. Yeah, they're so, they are so well made, and they're a, they're sort of a favourite of quite a few. Big names, you know. Chris Pollock played them for a long time. Yeah. Uh, there's a few others that play them. For me, though, they're they're just too big. I, and it's nothing. Not it's not. I'm not say I don't like them, but that's not, not what I'm saying. Just for my personal style, I need something a wee bit more delicate. Something a wee bit more that can give me a wee bit more sort of finesse, if you know. Like mm. I would find when I'm playing roughs, and when I was playing like the the break into the jigs for this year's medley you really need when you're playing more notes in a smaller time frame you really need something a wee bit more subtle that can give you that subtlety and it gives you the volume when you want it as well that the volume part isn't a slight on any other sticks you can get volume out of any sticks but to do it as well when you're talking about volume you're not just talking about how loud you can go you're talking about it's dynamics how quiet you can go as well mm-hmm. and with a lot of, I, find, I find personally anyway with a lot of bigger sticks, when you start playing when you start playing quieter with them, you kind of lose a wee bit of control. You lose the idiom that you can get get from them. If you if you think of a normal idiom like strong, weak, medium, weak, you can play that with bigger sticks I feel you can play them at a normal volume quite easily, and you can get that idiom out. But when you go quieter, you you don't have the subtlety with them that you need to sort of Get that idea out. With yeah. my cold sticks, it'd be real easy to. You can go quiet and still have that subtlety. You can mm. play a lot of notes in a short space of time and be sure that each note will be heard. Mm. Um, the sound that you get off the drum with them is and that, that's maybe a personal thing. Everybody's got their everybody's got their own sound that they're aiming for, of course. Um, and different mallets as well. See so if you hold them in different ways, then. Then, uh, then you'll get a different sound for them. The biggest one for me is, uh, or the biggest difference I could show you is with Tyler Fry's bass drumming mallets, you need to be holding them right at the end to get the sound that they're designed to give. Oh, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> it took me ages to switch onto that. Tyler gave me a set to try out and tried them. and I was wondering, why Why am I not getting a sound off these? And then you hold them like you hold a pair of tenor sticks. and <laughs> and, and you get that sound. And for some for some bass drummers that's fantastic, that's what they want to do. Like I don't know, some bass drummers might want to flourish with them, which is that's not a, that's not a slight either. I think that's quite cool actually. Mm-hmm. But like it just depends what you want to do. For my style, very much drumming oriented, I need something that I can hold right at the end, but mm-hmm. oh, sorry right at the right at the top of the shaft and get control with the fingers over. Um and mm-hmm. that mic sticks just kind of fit the bill on everything that I'm looking to get from. Harness as well. Mm-hmm. Use the JK, uh, Jim Kilpatrick harnesses. I think they're kind of a mainstay for most bass drummers. You know, they yeah. they get the job done. Although you you know it's they're good. They get the job done. I wouldn't I wouldn't say they couldn't be improved. You know, like there's there's definitely things when I'm using mine. I think I wish I wish that would stop coming out of place, and I wish that would just be a wee bit it, it, for me not being the tallest, it makes it hard to get my drum I can't get my drum too high up. So that something that kinda not all the time but now and again just irritates me a little bit. But you know, that's that's something that'll maybe someone'll maybe come out with something else in the future, you know. With all equipment I you just need to be switched on to what's coming out as well. Mm. Don't be afraid to try new things. Go to the go to the tents and like go to the peril tent, go to whatever dandy tent, see what they're doing and uh and sort of find out what fits best for yourself. You know, everybody's got a different style. Everybody's going to want something different from each piece of equipment. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you, do you personally play Pearl Premier or Dante? Which would you prefer then? The bass one. Um,
1: and Dante and Dante works so well for me. Um, apart from anything else, when you compare it to the Pearls, you're probably you're getting a similar sound off both of them. But that, when it comes to bass drumming, the drum's just only one part of the sound, obviously. Yeah. But in terms of playing, the is Andante, also made so light that it just makes it makes a day, you know, when you're playing, when you're at the World's and you're, you're playing your MSR and your medley on the same day, and you've been playing an MSR and medley the day before yeah. that, you've had your drum on a lot, the last thing you want to be doing is carrying a bit of weight the whole thing, you know? Yeah. So, like, having the Danny drums... They're made for marching, aren't they? Is that the slogan? But it's they that's what they do. You know they're so easy to play on. They produce a really good sound, and yeah, especially on the bass drum. After a long day, you don't want to be carrying something. <laughs> to, um.
0: So, with talking now about feeling tired, uh, your particular style is pretty physical. To be fair, you talked about being visual and everything, and that is awesome. But do yeah. you ever find yourself at the end of a day competing that you're knackered?
1: I think the biggest one for me is making sure you don't tire yourself out you know like um, normally you find when you step into this circle the adrenaline takes over anyway so you don't especially something like the world so it's maybe not something to worry about but you can it's really hard to play that way 24-7 in practices I don't always play that way you know it's but at the same time you, you can't just you can't just turn it on on the day it's obviously something you do need to practice in itself yeah and so i'll i'll go through stages where i'll maybe in practice really kind of go for it a hundred percent work out what i'm doing where i could be doing something else so I, okay i like what i'm doing here but i'm not too keen on this work it all out and then after i'm happy with it i'll maybe so sort I of take it a wee bit easier for the next few practices until maybe the week of the competition, and then start building up. Because the other thing is, you can't just turn it on. You, you need to stretch. Like, you, yeah. If you're not used to playing in that style, then it becomes quite sore and it, it, almost impossible to to switch it on like that. It's yeah. um, I, I'm I'm only twenty one, but sometimes I feel quite old when I go back and I feel. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like <laughs> um, it's it you just need to especially now they have a competition, just need to build it up slowly. Yeah. Um can sometimes be easier said than done when you've got a crowd around you and you feel like you need to be putting on a bit of a show, but yeah. you just just need to be visual with it.
0: So then tell me, uh, what does the future hold for yourself with Inverary coming into twenty eighteen? <laughs>
1: Um, I've I've got no no plans to change what I'm doing just now, you know, um, just off the back of the worlds. Yeah. Had a great loved it. Um I just take it all as it comes, you know. Um got this concert in Palomina in May, which uh yeah, the whole band's really looking forward to. Yes. Always, always enjoying a day. So <laughs>
0: uh,
1: Yeah, really looking forward to that. Um the band's in a great place. You know, it's uh, it's all just set up nicely just to keep on doing what we're doing you know
0: oh excellent and I wish you the best of luck for 2018 uh, I hope to catch you at the concert actually so yeah I hope I'll be yeah, there nice so I have to ask then just before I let you go have you any tips for anyone we have a lot of beginners who would listen to the podcast anyone who's trying to lift the sticks for the first time have you got any tips for them at all
1: <laughs> yeah um, first of all like we've talked to before Look, look at a lot of different bass drummers. Don't just look at one. Look at a few. Mm. Think about what you like from each of them. Try and incorporate that into your style moving forward. Um, second thing is, yeah, I started. We talked about it at the very start. there I, I learned a wee bit of snare in the beginning. It won't do you any harm just to learn the basics. You don't have to learn it and think, right, okay, I really want to. I want to become a snare drummer. You just have to learn the basics. Learn, learn your rudiments because that's something that. Don't just think it's bass drumming. I don't have to look at the basics of drumming. You need to be doing your rudiments. Say that to ten drummers, bass drummers, obviously snare drummers. You need to be. Any kind of drummer needs to be looking at these things. Um, it's especially you don't realise it at the time, especially when you're maybe if you're just starting off, you maybe only playing straight time, you maybe only playing four fours, three fours. You don't see where rudiments will come in handy, but when you get to when you sort of further on in your career and you start playing your roles. You need to have the you need to have the control in your hands to get a nice even sound. It'll help you exponentially as you start playing more more music. Yeah. Starting off you might not you might not see the the benefit of it starting off, but at some point when you start playing your medleys and everything else, then it's something that you you can't put a price on having a good good hand control, you know. It's with any drumming that's what you need. So oh. it's biggest thing don't neglect Don't neglect
0: the rhythm you know. oh, there you go sound advice there Mark so thanks a million for chatting to us on the podcast um, well, well, thanks for having me and there you have it that was Mark Stark there of Inverarian District thank you so much Mark for talking to us on the show man really appreciate your time and if anything an incredibly interesting conversation there uh, one for you bass drummers I think a lot of really good advice in there for beginners and for advanced players as well I think yeah What an awesome conversation. Thank you, Mark, for taking the time for talking to us on the show. I really appreciate it. Now, for you guys out there, do not forget to hit that subscribe button if you're listening on iTunes. Or, indeed, if you're listening on Podbean. Give us that all-important follow. So, as each and every episode of the Rab Show podcast gets uploaded, you get a notification. Ding! Rab's uploaded another one. So, yeah, you'll never miss a show. And next week is going to be a doozy. We're going to be breaking down Winter Storm into its component parts. We'll be picking through it with a fine tooth comb. Seeing exactly what's happening behind the closed doors there in Kansas City. And plus also we'll be giving you our picks of what to catch at the event. Because it's so huge. There's so much happening all at one time. Yeah. We'll be giving you our picks of what you should go and see. Because there's so much. And if anything... I'm just sorry that I haven't got enough dough to go and jump in a plane and head over because I would love to go over, man. Ah, oh, that can't wait for Winter Storm. It's awesome, right, Doc? Lila, that's me. <laughs> I'm all excited for Winter Storm. What's going on? Okay. Yeah, time to calm down. <laughs> Thanks a million for tuning into the podcast this week. Really appreciate it. And to all of you new listeners, don't forget to check out our back catalogue. We've had well over 50 episodes now of bagpiping goodness. News, views and reviews. Definitely worth looking at. Until then, we will see you again. Don't forget to check out the live show on Fuse FM and check out our social media through the week as we try to keep you updated on the piping world. Until then, we'll see you in next week's podcast. All the best. Well, that's it for another Big Rap Show podcast. Many thanks to our sponsors, G1 Reads, raising the benchmark throughout all the grades. Winning 8 out of 9 possible World Championship performances, G1 Reads are played by bands around the world, producing that quintessential tone. If you don't believe me, just listen to our current world champions in Verarian District. Until next time, guys, we'll see you right here on the Big Rap Show podcast. All the best.